Hello and welcome back to this podcast from the Royal College of Anaesthetists, preparing for CCT and beyond. I'm Dr Sarah Muldoon, a member of College Council representing anaesthetists in training, and I'm joined by Dr Hamish McClure, Chair of the College National Clinical Directors Executive, and Dr Shan Jagger, College Clinical Lead for Appointment Advisory Committee Assessors. In the second part of this podcast, we discuss finding the right job and preparing to apply. Shan, we were discussing the pros and cons of the different types of job people can apply for post-CCT, be that a fellowship, a period of grace or a locum or substantive consultant job. What about other factors for people to weigh up as they think about applying to a department potentially for life? Like what are the benefits of a teaching hospital versus a district general or exploring a subspecialty interest versus keeping yourself general? So I think I want to take those in, not quite talking about them in exactly that way. I think subspecialty and general, absolutely. You may have a real interest in a particular area. And although you are trained across the whole breadth, I have no doubt I could have got a general anaesthesia job, but I really enjoy doing cardiac anaesthesia. And you've got to remember, whichever job you take, this is a job you're going to spend a lot of time at. So it's really important that you think about what other things that you enjoy at your work, because you don't want to spend, I would say, 40 hours a week. But we all know that as a consultant, you're going to spend many more hours than that at it. If you're going to spend 40, 50 hours a week doing work, it needs to be something you enjoy. So don't apply for just any job. If what you really like is subspecialty work, then that's something to think about. I tend not to talk about teaching hospital versus DGH because that implies that People are taught in teaching hospitals and they're not in district general hospitals. Uh, absolutely. And I just don't believe that. I, I learnt a lot in district general hospitals and I know that my consultant colleagues in the district general hospitals in my region spend a lot of time teaching and supporting and helping trainees. So what I tend to suspect that people should look at is Do they want to work? Which part of the country would they like to work in? Would they like to work in a really big hospital or a smaller hospital? And there are advantages and disadvantages to both. If you're in a small hospital, you will likely know everybody and there will be a lot of support from everyone within the hospital, not just your consultant colleagues you'll probably know the names of most people in the hospital. And that's a very positive part of your consultant life. If, on the other hand, you like the idea of lots of different opportunities for different types of work, if you're in a big hospital, there is much more opportunity over the course of a long career to spend maybe 10 years in one area and gradually move 
into another area of work. And I know many consultants who've started in a very specialist area. And as time has moved on and their life has changed, they've moved to a more general area. So I think you need to think about what type of place you want to work in rather than what it's called. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really useful way of thinking about things and weighing them up. And so if an anaesthetist in training has identified where they think they'd like to work, what they think they'd like to do, how can they go about preparing themselves to become that appointable person? What are the things you need to do to persuade a department to employ you both informally and formally? So I think that you need to persuade them that you really want the job. And actually to do that, you need to persuade them that you know what the job means, that you know the advantages and the disadvantages, and you know what you could bring to that job. And the only way to do that is to have information about what that job and that hospital entails. And it's very easy to think, oh, I'll just, I, I worked there before, so I know what it was like. But actually, you often don't. I would suggest you want to talk to all sorts of people who you might end up working with. So ask the ODPs and the theatre nurses and the critical care nurses and the pain nurses, what does a good consultant look like to you? What does a bad consultant look like? Because if what they want from you as a consultant is something that you're not prepared to give, that doesn't make it you or them bad. It just makes it that maybe you and they are not the fit that you thought they were when you were looking at it as a, oh, this is a really nice place to be. That's more you can ask the better because we all talk about multidisciplinary teams and then we don't actually necessarily think about what they want of us we think about we want what we yeah. want of them I, what strikes me about what you described there is that's easy to do in departments where you have worked previously or you're working currently. Hamish, what about if you're considering a relocation as part of your post-CCT journey? Do you hear from would-be applicants who haven't trained in your region before? Yeah, absolutely. And I've, and I've done that. I, 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 my first consultant job was at the Royal Marsden in London and then I relocated to Leeds. So I, so I have first-hand experience of doing that. And I and it was a really positive thing for me, but it was a it was a difficult move uh, because I was moving from a place where I was known and you know had a reputation and uh, life was relatively easy, and suddenly I was having to start again professionally. So it was a difficult move, but it was a really worthwhile one for all sorts of reasons. Uh, and if you are considering doing that, then then you need to you need to get, gather some information from 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 that department that you're moving to. Fortunately, anaesthetics is a large family, and as often you can find somebody that, uh, that a name that you know in the department, you can contact them and find out a little bit about the um, ab about the uh, uh, the department in in advance. It, it's you know, people often move for family reasons or to be in a different region, you know, just because they like the geography. 
and not always just because they you know they, they they want to come and um, and give propofol in a different hospital so so uh, I, I think the you know it's not always the main reason for relocating is just it's just the anesthetic department because and people don't often know a huge amount about it so getting a contact in the department and and um, and having a phone conversation with them is 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 really useful and if if they pass that test then going up to the department and um, and having a look and often you candidates have to put an application form in and then they'll do their research to find out whether you know they'll then they'll visit and uh, find out a little bit more about the um, department these days of course uh, that that visit will probably have to be done by teams but it will still give you a lot of useful information Absolutely. and you know you, you want to go and find out what are the um, what are the good things about working in the department what are the uh, not so good things about working in in that department um, it's useful to know is it is it a job that you is it a replacement job or is it a new job and if it's a replacement job what happened to the previous person you know it's always nice to know about the turnover in department if they you know they every new consultant turns up and then leaves within within a couple of years uh, that would that would uh, have some alarm bells ringing so there's all sorts of bits of information that you can get and um and i think a a, a trip to go and see the uh, the lead clinician or the clinical director is is really useful um, one of the things which we always used to do was put together a cv that was used to be a sort of vital part of the application process but with most jobs appearing in nhs jobs now um, where you have to fill in a, a long application form there isn't the reason to do a cv but i think it's still a a, a good thing to do and, that, and that's for a couple of reasons Firstly, um, it gives you a chance to order your thoughts uh, and to see where there are any gaps in in your um, in your experience. So I would start putting together a CV in your final year um, and have headings such as um, uh, quality improvement activity, uh, audit and uh, governance, um, uh, teaching and uh, uh, and training. Um, research research isn't commonly seen in people's um, people's um, portfolios these days, but if you have got any, then then put that down. And and if you can put together a brief CV to give to the um, clinical director or lead clinician when you visit, I think that's always really useful because sometimes it can be if you particularly if you've got several applicants for for one job, it can be difficult to remember who was who. So a, a CV that is no more than two sides in length and summarises with bullet points uh, what you are and what you've done, uh, I think is still a very useful exercise. But I, but I wouldn't go to the lengths that some do, which is, you know, putting it on very heavy paper with a with a beautiful sort of laminated folder. I don't think any of that is needed, but something with you with your name and, 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 and brief details about you, I think is still a very useful thing to do. Yeah. Do you agree, Sean? I do. And actually, I think there's one other thing as Hamish said, put headings of quality improvement and education. But I also think it's important to put headings in terms of your clinical. The number of CVs mm. I've looked through where people put, in this hospital I learned this, and in this hospital I learned this, and I don't really care what they learnt in what hospital. If they're applying for a paediatric job, I want to know, tell me about your whole paediatric experience and say I've worked in district generals, specialist and super specialist hospitals, ensuring a breadth of experience. 
And if they also want obstetrics, I've worked in a number of units that will give me experience. I don't want to have to look through 10 different hospitals to know what you learnt there, which is often what you get on the um, application form. That's quite hard work going through. (laughs) Yeah, it was also hard work to fill in. Yeah. Now, I'd, and I'd completely agree with Sean there about not just listing everything you've done. Uh, the clinical director will assume that you've completed a standard uh, a standard uh, training programme and you'll be able to put people to sleep safely. Uh, we really want to know what you're interested in and what your experience does uh, in terms of, uh, uh, of bringing, bringing your advantages to the department. So, yeah, try and, try and keep it focused on uh, and specific to the job. Yeah, thanks both. That's helpful advice. I certainly found it useful to keep my eye on NHS jobs for the best part of my final year and even jobs I knew I wasn't going to apply for or in parts of the country I wouldn't apply to. I looked at the job descriptions and the person specifications they were advising and tried to sort of retrofit my CV around that um, so that I could see what actually they were looking for, particularly in the desirable characteristics. So I could try and make it clear what I had that stood out. And it's a great piece of advice as well to, is to um, get one of the application forms from NHS jobs, they're standard forms, and fill one out at the beginning of your last year. And so you've got a feeling for where you have gaps. It's the same as the CV exercise. Um, uh, uh, so you don't you don't need to apply for the job, but just get one of those forms off NHS jobs and, uh, and, and go through. And it would be useful often to fill it in and then give it to your lead clinician just to have a little look at and so what does that, what yeah. that yeah I did that it's me for, for 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 this job and the other advantage to doing that and filling it in is it saves all your details and then when you do go to start applying for mm. jobs it copies and pastes a lot of duplicated information in for you and saves you a lot of time at a time when you're starting to feel very stressed let's take a break there thanks again both of you for our conversation so far I'll ask our listeners to rejoin us for the final part of our podcast where we'll discuss the consultant application process and life as a consultant. Thank you for listening to this RCOA podcast. Make sure you don't miss out on the next episode in the Preparing for CCT and Beyond series by clicking subscribe on your podcatcher. The next episode will then appear in your feed as soon as it's released. Also, if you found this episode useful, please write us a review. It helps others find our podcast. And finally, if you would like to access more podcasts, videos, e-learning, webinars, and our programme of events and courses, you can find them all online at rcoa.ac.uk forward slash education. We hope to see you again soon.